0: Thank you for listening to the podcast. Be happy, healthy and wealthy. Uh, I'm Dr. Irene Ching. Thank you for listening to this podcast and thanks for subscribing and following. If you have any question about it, please contact me at info at And I would want to uh, hear about uh, your questions. Please email me. Today I'll be talking about another episode on how to overcome tiredness and how to work on mitochondrial um, and overcome mitochondrial dysfunction. So I will have uh, a bit of discussion about what uh, happens in mitochondrial function and what could cause problems, some of the toxin and how we can work on the reactive oxygen species. Now as you know, The mitochondrial's job is to convert uh, the um, high energy bonds within the food macromolecules into proton gradients that is needed to generate ATP, which is the energy molecules that is needed in muscle movement, food production or, or metabolism. And also is needed in the uh, heart contractility, uh, the kidneys functioned, and also the brain and the nervous system. So it, reco- it requires, this metabolism actually requires the catabolism of the carbohydrates, fat, and amino acids uh, into the, the carbon skeletons, okay? So it extracts the energy uh, released from the cat- catabolism via the glycolysis. Okay, citric acid cycle or the Krebs cycle and the beta oxidation of fat. Okay, so what happened it, it relies on the transfers of electrons by reducing the NAD plus to NADH and FADH to FADH2. So the ATP production by electron transport chain coupled to control dissipation of the proton gradient across the in the mitochondrial membrane. So it works through glycolysis and becomes pyruvate, and the, uh, the fat change to acetyl-CoA transport, and then beta oxidation, and then it feeds into the mitochondrial system and electron transport chain, where you produce ATP and water. As you know, in glycolysis, uh, it's obviously a, a very ancient pathway And it is important in most living organism. It reduces the NAD plus into NADH2. And it's uh, the glucose 6 carbons. It's the initial electron donors. Okay. So it splits into pyruvate, 3 carbons times 2. So pyruvate is a 3 carbon. It's actively transported into the matrix for aerobic respiration means. Aerobic respiration means metabolism needing oxygen. And uh, when mitochondrial metabolism is inhibited, like for example, in anaerobic condition where there's not enough oxygen, it converted into lactate by lactic dehydrogenase, which regenerates the NAD+. So as you know, the acetyl-CoA is a primary substrate for TCA cycle. It's very important to balance between the carbohydrates and the fat metabolism. Uh, as you know, it's produced in mitochondrial matrix From the core enzyme A combines with the acetyl group 2C uh, from obviously these uh, carbohydrates, then you get the pyruvate decarboxylation. I know it's a lot of jargon at the moment, but it's just to give you an idea what's happening in the energy metabolism. So you get your fatty acids, goes into beta oxidation and produce ketone bodies. And you can use the amino acids as well. So as you know, the... Krebs cycles, or the TCA, or we call it tricarboxylic acid pathway, is the common catabolic pathway for a lot of nutrients, protein, fat, and carbohydrates. So the enzymes are located in the matrix, except the complex two, and then the acetyl coA is oxidized to carbon dioxide. So it produces products like metabolics byproducts like amino acids precursors and your NADH, FADH2, and GTP. Okay, so the conventional wisdom has been that mitochondria prefers carbohydrate or glucose as the primary source of energy. However, fatty acids or ketones and amino acids can also be readily used by the mitochondria. I'm going to talk a bit more about the long-chain fatty acids in mitochondrial metabolism. So the beta-oxidation happens in the mitochondrial matrix. It's a multi-step enzymic processes. And what happens, it removes two carbon fragments to make multiple acetyl-CoA subunits, which are then oxidized by the uh, citric acid cycle and converted into, uh, in the liver into ketone's body, beta-hydroxybutyrate, acetoacetate, and acetone. So the long-chain fatty acids, okay, Undergo the beta oxidation in mitochondria, and the high hydro uh, the high carbohydrates intake then of course impedes the beta oxidation, and this results in the accumulation of the intracellular lipids of fat intermediates and triglycerides, which cause insulin resistance. So hence, fasting, starvation, and low carbohydrates slash high-fat index diet actually increase liver beta-oxidation and results in ketogenesis. Now, the ketone bodies are very soluble in water, so no protein carriers are required. And the good thing is the plasma levels goes up in fasting, high-fat, low-carbohydrates diet, and and uncontrolled diabetes, obviously. Now, ketones, not glucose, are the preferred few for your heart muscle and your kidney cells. Ketones are used in the brain after crossing the blood-brain barrier proportionately to concentration in the blood, and it provides energy when the glucose availability is limited. So we can also use amino acids as fuel, as energy. So it can be oxidized and degraded into pyruvate, and it can be used as citric acid cycles, intermediates, and also converted into ketone's body. Oxidative degradation of the amino acids produce 10 to 15% of total metabolic energy. And it's also a precursor for gluconeogenesis, which means the production of glucose when glucose supply is low. So you've got all the different ones like your lysine, leucine, phenylalanine, tryptophan, tyroxine. that all becomes acetoacetyl acetyl CoA. You've got your arginine, glutamine, and histidine, proline which becomes glutamate, and you've got your isoleucine, methionine, threonine, and valine becomes succinyl CoA. So there's so many things that we can learn about the energy movement. So just wanted to obviously highlight that uh, there are issues, obviously, if you've got uh, some nutrient that is uh, deficient. And as you know, most of the world's population, including the US, is inadequate in one or more micronutrients, according to the current intake recommendation. So micronutrient deficiency, which are associated with mitochondrial dysfunction are your magnesium, calcium, selenium, vitamin B12, vitamin K2, folate, thymine, zinc, iron, copper, pentotenate, which is B5, riboflavin, which is B2, pyridoxin, which is B6, biotin, carnitine, and coq Q10. So these, all these nutrients are important in the electron transport chain. It is part of the pathways. Okay, Now, what are the major sources of mitochondrial dysfunction? So these include oxidative stress, caloric overload, glucotoxicity, yeah, glycation, lipotoxicity, environmental toxin, and mitronutrient deficiency, which we mentioned earlier on. Okay. So the oxidative stress can cause mitochondrial dysfunction. And especially the oxidative stress from your free radicals, your uh, reactive oxygen species, uh, all can affect many cellular components. It damages the fats, the glucose, um, and these are all uh, issues with damaged fats, uh, damaged glucose, um, damaged proteins, and damaged DNA, okay? And this, and that's why when we know about all this, we can use it as the evaluation to see what is causing all this damage, okay? So the val- the evaluation is, when we do it in the lab, is we measure the damaged DNA. So the test is 8OH oh deoxyguanosine okay? And also we measure the damaged fat, which is the lipid peroxidase oxidized LDL, isoprotein F2, damaged glucose, we measured your HbA1c and AGEs. We also measured the damaged proteins like 3 nitrotyroxine And then we can do uh, serum, RBCs, and urine to look for any micro micronutrient deficiency, okay? Now this is important, there are two deadly mitochondrial poisons. So first one is cyanide, second one is carbon monoxide. So, of course, both of these are found in cigarette smoking, yeah? And other toxin would be your environmental chemicals, okay? Like your MPP+, plus. it binds and inhibits complex one, okay? Uh, your rotinone, which is blocks the ubiquinol binding complex, which is important for your glutathione and your antioxidant pathway. You've got your pyridaben. Which inhibits your complex one paraquat, yeah. It increases the ROS from the complex one, and then you've got your MN containing fungicides. We call it manap, which cause problem in the complex three inhibitors. Okay, the other toxin included your two stroke four dinitrophenol. Obviously, these are chemicals that is used in weight loss. Okay, and can cause problems. Your atrazine inhibits your complex 1 and 2 organochlorines like your dioxin it disrupts the signaling you've got your biphenol a it inhibits the complex 2 you've got your organophosphate which is a uh, neurotoxins okay now the other toxins which are metal based like your iron overload manganese overload your mercury in the brain, cause neurotoxicity. Your lead in the brain cause neurotoxicity as well, and of course, in arsenic, it affects the liver and cause hepatotoxicity. Now, obviously, things like pollutant can cause problem, especially the persistent organic pollutant we call it POP. Uh, it causes a lot of metabolic syndrome and mitochondrial dysfunction. Okay, so these burden obviously can cause damage to your mitochondrial DNA. And that's why the mitochondrial DNA abnormalities can cause the pancreatic beta cells damage, insulin resistance, and diabetes. And don't forget your pharmaceutical as wells, like your acetaminophen. It uh, irre- irreversibly inhibits your beta oxidation, your aminoglycoside antibiotic, sorry, and antiretrovirus drugs, your aspirin and statins. Okay. Other drugs would be your cancer chemotherapy agents, your metformin, tamoxifen, and valproic acids, okay? Now, so just wanted to talk a bit more about metformin, especially its work in the AMPK. Uh, So as you know, metformin mildly inhibits complex one, and this, of course, increases the ratio of your AMP to ATP level ratio, and of course, it, it then activates the MPK, the energy sensor, which then inhibits the liver gluconogenesis and hence lowering your blood glucose. Okay, So we can see that simvastatin uh, has been studied and it actually uh, can impact the exercise training adaptations where in the studies, they've showed that uh, if exercise plus statin, it caused the cardiovascular fitness to be blunted to 1.5% increase only. And of course, with 4.5% decrease in the citrate synthetase, which is one of the markers for exercise endurance. Okay. So hence, uh, we also wanted to talk a bit more about the reactive oxygen species. Okay. Now, what we want to talk about is the free radical theory on and on aging. As you know, in 1956, there have been proposed that free radicals damages the macromolecules, and also it uh, affects the mitochondria also. And we realize the mitochondrial health determines our lifespan. Okay, so hence, if you get mitochondrial dysfunction, it can affect your aging process. Okay. So in the free radical theory of aging, uh, they realized that it can increase the oxygen generation, it declined, uh, declining defenses and repair. And of course, it caused accumulation of the M products of oxidative damage, like your AGE, which is advanced glycosylated M products, your protein oxidation, like your nitrotyroxine. Your oxidized LDL, which cause a lot of the cardiovascular diseases, isoprotein F2, lipid oxidize, uh, and MDA and DNA damage, which you can be measured on the 8-OHdG. So, what we want to understand is in the mitochondrial um, um, reactive oxygen species you've got the superoxide O2 primarily generated by the electron, which is escaping from the plot complexes 1 and 3. And as you know, the um, 0.4 to 4% of the oxygen consumed is converted to the uh, reactive O2. So, and the dismutation of the reactive O2 turned into H2O2 by some of the enzyme. And as you know, the H2O2 then reduced to water by the glutathione peroxidase or the uh, PRDX system. So as you know, the H2O2 also participates in the mitochondrial and intracellular redox signaling, which is important to control the the free radicals levels. Okay, so... um, Now, what are the causes of excessive mitochondrial ROS, which is the reactive oxygen species? One is dietary factors like your excess calorie, that means too much calorie intake, your fructose level or intake and alcohol intake. Hyperglycemia, which means too much sugar around, it can impact the uh, mitochondrial cells. And of course, it it causes the inflammatory mediators like TNF-alpha also cause... Uh, a lot of the imbalance of the ROS in the system. Of course, lack of oxygen, we call it hypoxia, in the long term or suddenly also can affect it and causing mitochondrial dysfunction. So other causes would be your environmental chemical pollutants and your toxins, which we've mentioned earlier on. For example, your toxic metals and metalloids like mercury, cadmium, arsenic, and lead. Okay, so uh, as you know, the, some of these oxidative uh, components are important for us to kill some of the bacteria and to control um, and recycle some of the cells. So it, you need a balance of it, okay? Of course, um, is important this balance is being controlled by the mitochondria and all those electron transport chains and the intermediate, uh, or we call it the mediators, okay? So hence, if you want to extend or promote health, you want to obviously look at reduced calorie in uptake and glucose restriction and physical exercises and cold exposure as well. So you want a small amount of oxidative stress, which stimulates the NRF2. But then obviously too much inflammation, it creates NF-kappa B, and then sooner or later it goes uh, Further on, it moves towards more apoptosis, which is cell death. Okay, so hence is important. We talk about some of the antioxidant enzymes, like your superoxide dismutase, which is important, and your glutathione peroxidase, which is also one of those things that mop up the free radicals. And your catalase, okay? So what are the dietary antioxidants that are very good, okay? So for example, your rainbow food, your phytonutrient, your green tea, and your nuts, okay? Of course, not your peanuts, but more like your almond, your uh, Brazil nuts, and your uh, omega-3 in the walnuts, so as you know, the uh, mitochondrial um, productions are very important. And of course, it gets um, influenced by the uh, the PG, PCG1 proteins, or especially the PCG1 alpha system. So it's a master regulator of the mitochondrial biogenesis and hemostasis. Okay. Uh, Most nuclear genes coding for mitochondrial protein have binding sites for the PCG1-alpha on their regulatory regions. And hence, it's very important it's being expressed in the mitochondrial-rich tissues like your heart, skeletal muscles, brown, adipose tissue or fat tissue, or liver, okay? So the PCG1-alpha Activity rapidly increases after you exercise, especially in the heart and skeletal muscles. It's when you fast or starvation, especially in the heart and the liver. And of course, core exposure, its activities get improved in the brown adipocytes or the fat and the muscles. And of course, they get activated by your T3, your thyroid hormone and your adiponectin. So increases the metabolic switch towards beta-oxidation oxidative phosphorylation and a- a- antioxidant protection, uh, especially in exercise and cold exposure, okay? So what can uh, this uh, PGC1-alpha get decreased? So it, its activity decreased in caloric overload, saturated fats, refined carbohydrates or fructose, um, inflammatory mediators your like your TNF-alpha, Pro-oxidants in activity and, of course, in aging processes. Okay. Now, brown adipose tissue or fat are packed with mitochondria and it's brown colored because of the heme in the cytochromes. And uh, what happened? is it's uncoupling of the protein UCP1 in the inner mitochondrial membrane. It dissipates the hydrogen molecule from the OX. Phos system, which then generating heat instead of ATP, and then what you do is uh, just remember PCP. Sorry, PGC one alpha is highly expressed, and it's induced by coldness. Okay, so what I'll suggest is remember some of these things, and um, just remember that uh, PGC1-alpha activators would be in calorie or fast, uh, fasting, or calorie restriction, exercise where the skeletal muscles contraction in your AMP kinase system, your s one SIRT one system activated by the NAD and your nitric oxide system, your T3, which is your thyroxine, and cold therapy. Okay, So they get uh, activated and including mitochondrial damage as well. So hence, uh, I've just uh, obviously give you a good conclusion of what are the toxins that can cause problems and some of the basis of how energy is being used in mitochondria just as an overview. So I'll, I would be interested for you to ask me a question about any of those things. Of course, some of my uh, discussion can be a bit more technical, but again, it's because uh, a lot of uh, doctors and nurses been asking me for some of the explanation. So thank you for listening and uh, I would uh, be happy if you can ask me a question and send it to my email info at and uh, ask any question and of course I can do a bit of research into whatever subjects about health. Thank you for listening.